Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let's pray. Lord and God, thank you again for the time it is to sit together under thy teaching of thy word. Speak today. May we have a deeper understanding of the truth of your word. May we be inspired by your word. May we be encouraged. May we be challenged. May we be convicted by the truth that you have in your word. May everything said today be from you and by you and for you alone. Thank you again for the word that is true, that we can trust and depend upon. And we thank you for you. We thank you in your name. Amen. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Um, when, when praying about what to speak about today, these are always weird times for those of us who speak. When we don't have assigned passages, it's always kind of tricky sometimes. This passage just came upon me. Um, couple weeks ago and I've just been meditating on it so I just want to share some thoughts that I think that God has laid on my heart uh, to encourage us um, maybe challenge us today uh, with this thought as we the heart of the message is going to be hopefully the encouragement through weariness that's really what I'm hoping to get across today just give you a heads up in case I don't um, but the, the inspiration is we all get weary we all do. And who needs to hear this? I don't know. I'm sure I do. But um, whatever the encouragement may be, the inspiration is to be encouraged through weariness. But we have to kind of take this, this passage apart, these verses, before we even really get into the idea of weariness. I want to have a, an understanding around before we even talk about weariness. Um, and at the center of it, I think, there's two main points, I think. People can pull out different things if they want. Um, but besides this, what it's relating to is doing good. That's what it's talking about. Let us not grow weary doing good. So I think before we can even talk about the weariness and all the other things that are in these verses, we need to think about what it means to do good. Because that's really what it's all about. How do we quantify the phrase, do good? When you, when you read this passage and you're praying it and you're saying, Lord help, Lord, help me not to be weary in doing good. What are the things that we're thinking of? What qualifies as doing good? Well, certainly it's everything the Lord commands us to do. We can go through, the, through verse after verse and every single verse and, and, and break it down. It's our ministries. We, we do good when we serve a ministry. And weariness can certainly come from that work. There are many ministries here, and they come in all shapes and sizes. And some are even outside Brantford Bible Chapel. It's something that you're doing in service of the Lord. But whether it's cleaning or teaching Sunday school or music or preaching or setting up for luncheons and serving luncheons and, and, and taking care of people who, who have needs uh, at home, all these things are ministries. 
They're good things to do. But we can get... If we're prepared... comes, we fail in doing good. And that's what we want to avoid, right? And everything that we do, we do to the glory of God. And so if we come up short, we failed in a glorifying of God. So we want to avoid that. So he tells us not to grow weary. Even Jesus Christ had to set aside time to go off on the mountain by himself and be with the Father. Even Jesus had to be refreshed. You've got to refresh yourself. You've got to know what your boundaries are and what your limits are. My, my limits of how much I can do before I get burnt are not the same as yours, or vice versa. We all have to know ourselves. You've got to be honest with God and with yourself and know what your limits are. There is no right or wrong. Don't fall into the fallacy and the myth that, well, you didn't do as much as this person did before you got tired, so there must be something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You are who you are in Christ. And if you can do this much, and then you need to refresh and replenish before you get burnt, then that's what you do. And if you can go this far, then that's as far as you go. But it doesn't matter. You don't go farther than that. You find your time and your point. You've got to know yourself. You've got to know what your breaking point is before you get there. The whole idea is to avoid the breakdown, to avoid the burnout, to avoid the defeat and, and, that, and that longing like, oh, God, I failed again. We don't want to have a relationship with God that way. We don't want to peak and surge and do so much and then crash and burn and say, oh, God, I'm miserable, I'm awful, and then build ourselves back up. We don't want that cycle. We want to get up, and we want to keep a nice, steady, smooth ride like a, like a sea of glass. That's the life of peace in Christ. I know where my, my, my point is, and I'm going to rest. I'm going to refresh myself before I get there. Certainly, the daily refreshing is an important part of our life. The morning with God, the time with God, prayer with God. Don't wait till things are bad and then go seek God. And don't wait till things are bad and go seek God. We have to spend our time before and be strengthened. But you've also got to know, and it may not be the same every time. Different things are going to wear on us differently. We've got to know how far we can go. I can do this much of this, but I can only do this much of this. You've got to figure it all out and avoid this burnout. That's really what he's, I, I, that's the way I, I view weary, this growing weary. It's, it's, a, it's like a burnout. It's like, I'm just done. I can't do anymore. I've had it. But the focus is while doing good. So now we have to think about what are we doing? Are we getting weary and tired and unusable by God by things that aren't good? Got to think about that. All things that we do can be qualified as good. It doesn't always have to be, you know, a ministry, right? Like I said, taking care of loved ones, um, doing things that we need to do, just our, our daily work. But there are definitely things that we can get involved in that can drain us and leave us without the energy and the focus that God requires of us for what he wants us to do, what opportunity he's going to put in our place. So we do have to manage our time and our resources and our priorities. It's just something that we need to spend time in God with. God, am I doing something that is not what you want me to be doing? 
Am I, am I wearing myself out and I can't do what you want me to do because I'm enjoying things that really aren't profitable? I'm focusing on things that are not profitable. To clarify, just so there's no misunderstanding of what I'm saying, there are plenty of things we can enjoy that are just fun. It's not about that. I have many things I enjoy that are fun, but you've got to know your priorities and what's taking up your time and leaving you unusable by God. There are a lot of fun things that are actually refreshing and keep us from getting worn out. They're, they're outlets. Outlets are very important. You should have at least one outlet in your life that you do that is just for you, um, that refreshes you, that gives you pleasure and enjoyment, something you make, something you do. Um, I, I can give you six million things. It doesn't matter what it is, but as long as it's nothing that, that becomes an idol and it's nothing that keeps you from having the time and the ability and the energy to do what God calls you to do. Now, working around this, he says, For in due season we shall reap. There is an outcome to all good that we do. There is an end result. You may not see it. And maybe that's part of the struggle. God, I've been doing this, and I'm not seeing any change. I'm not seeing any results. Why am I bothering? That, that's not what the call is. That's not the following of Jesus Christ. It's normal to have an expectation, but we have to trust God that if we're doing good for His glory and our purpose is pure and we've given all we can, what will come about will come about in God's timing, just like what came about in our life came about in His timing. We have to be patient. There is no specific promise. He says, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. He doesn't say when. He does promise there will be a positive, God-glorifying outcome to all good that we do. We just may not see it. We may not see it when we want to. And that's one of the greatest um, sparks or catalysts to weariness and frustration. Is my expectation, God, is this. God, I did this for so long. Where is the result? He doesn't, he doesn't promise that. He promises there will be a result. But he doesn't tell us when it's going to be or how it's going to be or that we get to choose when it's going to be or what, even what the result's going to be. How often have we expected something and there was a result but it wasn't one that we were expecting? Do we resent God for that because it wasn't what we wanted or do we trust God? When we trust God, we avoid weariness. When we resent God because we didn't get what we wanted, we become weary and burdened. In due season, we shall reap. If we do not lose hearts. So when our conduct is dictated by our frustration or disappointment, we actually risk undoing all that we've been sowing for him. We shall reap if we do not lose heart. We have to fight discouragement and, and false expectations and trust God completely. Do not lose heart. Do what you know is good and then trust God. That's all we can do. 
in this walk. That's all we can do. We can do what his word says the best that we can so that it glorifies him and we are, our testimony is blameless. And then we wait on God and trust God. If we mix those up, weariness will set in. Heartache will set in. Disappointment will set in. Frustration will set in. Show me the first Peter chapter three, please. I'm hoping some of the verses that I shared today are a, uh, an encouragement in this battle. So 1 Peter chapter 3, I'm going to read a, a lengthy passage, but beginning in verse 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake... You are blessed, and do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord, the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in the prison. And I'm going to stop there. One of the things that causes a lot of frustration and weariness and discouragement is criticism. Sometimes right here, right here in this room, sometimes outside this room. But it happens. We're human beings. We have emotions. We, we, we share our views and our opinions. And sometimes people who have worked really hard at something end up being discouraged. And what was good has now become weariful. Is that a word? Wearisome? Weariable? I don't know. Um, we're Ignatius? The, um, the, want some more? No, Elaine's begging me to stop. She please stop. I can go all day, Elaine. I can go all day. The, um, um, but, but, you know, it goes both ways. So I want to encourage us to be mindful. We went through this with the one another's too, so I'm kind of repeating myself. But remember that anyone that does something is doing it to do good. Maybe the outcome isn't the most important thing, but the heart behind it is. So before we criticize, let's think about what was done and why and encourage. But I also want to encourage you who are doing good to keep your eyes fixed upon the Lord and not the praise of man. 
because we're all going to maybe unintentionally, emotionally express things, and we may you know, have to apologize and all that stuff. But if you're fixed on God as to why you did it, you shouldn't become so discouraged by criticism. I know it's a hard thing to say because we're human and we're going to react just like the person who reacted who hurt us, just like we're going to react when our feelings are hurt. But if we're doing good for the right reason, we should be able to look to the point that maybe this criticism is just coming from someone who doesn't mean it the way they said it. So before we overreact, we've got all kinds of healing that we have to do. Keep in mind the big picture. We are to sow and leave the results to God. So in doing good. So going back to weariness. If we go back to that verse. In Galatians. As I said before. He uses the phrase. Well not only I stopped at let us not. But he also says let us not grow weary. The word grow is very interesting there. Not every translation puts it that way. I don't think King, King James has uh, grow. It may say, let us not be weary. But every translation, I think, since uh, uses the word grow there, which gives us a very interesting way to look at this in that weariness is a process. It's something that happens over time. And we can guard against that and prevent that. We can maintain our spiritual health. We can certainly maintain our physical rest, which is important. As I said before, Christ himself needed time alone with the Father. So we can prevent the weariness, the frustration, the disappointment, the burnout, if we anticipate the fact that it can happen when will happen if we're not preemptive. But God has given us everything we can to prevent it. Because He doesn't want us to peak and valley in our work. He wants us to be like Christ, who was steady. When Christ began His ministry, He was steady. There were no falters in Christ. He made sure He had rest, but He worked His ministry full time. We can do the same without any failures, without any burdens, without any heartache. But if we have misconstrued expectations for our results, then that can definitely lead to frustration and weariness. Now in verse 10, he says this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Has the word opportunity ever been presented to you and you thought of it in a negative No, right? An opportunity is always like, hey, you got an opportunity for a job with twice the pay, right? Hey, you got an opportunity to go stay in this guy's house for free on the beach. You got an opportunity to uh, borrow this guy's convertible. Now that never happens here. The, uh, I couldn't think of a, a use of the word opportunity in which, when it came to my mind, it, it was applied as a negative. An opportunity is always a benefit. So as we have opportunity, 
Let us do good to all. So when the opportunity to do good for someone else comes along, do we look at it as a burden? As an inconvenience? As a, I can't believe i got to do this now? Or do we look at it as an opportunity? Say, yes, God. You're, let, you're using me. God, you're using me to do something for someone. God, today I can make a difference in someone else's life. That's an opportunity. God, today you're going to use me to be glorified just because I helped someone. Don't get confused with grandiose ideas and and forcing yourself to apply opportunity. Opportunity falls in everything that we have to do good for every person everywhere. He says, especially for the household of faith, we have to take care of our own. We should never neglect each other. But he says, do good to all. How many people's lives are changed? Changed for the gospel because of acts of kindness. Because someone didn't say, I have too many other things to do today, but actually sacrificed themselves and their time to do good for someone. And when they say, why would you do this? I'm sharing the love of Christ. I saw you had need. Here I am. God must have had me here for a reason. Right? You hear those stories all the time. God had me here for a reason. You had a need. Right? You got a flat. I know how to change a tire. I'm here. Right? You're $2 short at the cash register. I got it. Person in front of you. Whatever it is, don't worry about how big it is. Everything that we can do that is good, we need to take the opportunity to do it. Don't miss those opportunities. Look for them. Because that's exactly what it is. And that's what God views when he gives it before us. An opportunity to do good. Don't neglect the reasons why you're where you are. Don't mistake the opportunity that comes. Nothing's by accident. If God desires all men to be saved, and he has you in a place to do some good, that glorifies his name, there's a reason for it. Psalm 3, I mean, I'm sorry, Psalm Proverbs 3, verse 27. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not. It's not a suggestion. It's a do not. Withhold good from those to whom it is due. Who is it due to? Somebody's, I, I owe somebody good? Well, yeah, I do. Because of what God's done for me. How can I repay God for what he has done for me? I cannot. But I can do good to others in his name. Every opportunity he gives to me. It's due to me to give it. And if I have the ability and I have the time and the resources then it is in the power of my hand to do so, not someone else's. So let me ask this question. I'm going to skip some stuff and and, and start moving towards the end here. But um, let's think about this for a moment, though. I think we need to really meditate, contemplate, whatever you want to call it. Why does doing good 
even if it's inspiring or uplifting to our soul, cause weariness. If it's good, why could it ever lead to weariness? Because if we're really doing good, if it's done right, we're really giving something of ourselves. If, it's, if you're not giving something of yourself, i.e. your time, your resources, your skills, if it's not costing you anything, are you really giving anything? Are you really giving anything if it doesn't cost you anything? That's why sometimes we can become weary. That's why we have to become refreshed in God and restored and encouraged in one another, but also in God in our time with God. One of the other warnings of weariness that I want to address, especially when it comes to ministry weariness, um, is sometimes weariness causes the eye to think something else looks better. I'm tired here. It must be better over there. That's flesh. That's flesh. If God has you in a place to do good, like Bradford Bible Chapel, then you are here to do good for a reason. If he has a need for you to do good somewhere else that has a need that you can provide, then he will make that known to you. But if you're just weary, I'm tired of doing this, I'm tired of being here, tired of whatever, 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 there's a different issue. There's a completely different issue that you need to reconcile. So watch the grass is greener effect of weariness. Because, as our brother Larry Price said once, folks are folks. And what may cause weariness here, once the newness wears off, will call weary, cause weariness somewhere else. You're missing what the problem is. You're not dealing with what the actual problem is. I was um, looking at um, some of the other risks of weariness. Cause I, want to, so I really want to stress the importance of avoiding weariness. And there's a, there's a situation in the life of David that gives kind of an illustration of the danger of weariness. If you know the story of David and his parenting weakness led to great problems with his children including one of his sons trying to kill him and take the kingdom. You know, typical uh, great, great tragedy, but it's real. Um, so while Absalom is planning to attack David, and for time's sake, I'm just going to read this verse to you from 2 Samuel 17. Absalom's buddy, who's making the plan on how to, to get David, says this, I will come upon him while he is weary and weak and make him afraid. And all the people who are with him will flee, and I will strike only the king. That's their plan to kill David. They've worn him down to the point where he's weary and weak, and now he's vulnerable. We have to avoid weariness because it affects us not just being tired and unable to get out of bed today. I'm, I can't do anymore, but it affects us spiritually and emotionally and can lead us to great trouble. You got to get to it before you get to that point. I'm sorry for beating that, that horse to the wherever the terminology is, but that's the way Satan works, right? I, I'm 
still, and my wife loves to share this quote, and I can't remember where she got it from, but um, the saint can't make you bad, it'll make you busy, right? Because then you're distracted and then you're burned out. And when you get burned out, Satan can actually use you to do so much good, you get burned out, that then you become ineffective. He will do it. Why not? As long as he can crush you and crush your testimony and your work, he'll let you do more of this that you're already doing. But if you don't watch it, he will use it to crush your spirit, crush your attitude, crush your heart. So let's look at some verses for encouragement. Turn me to Isaiah 40, please. Isaiah 40, beginning in verse 28. I think this is a passage that's very well known, and it's very well known for a reason. Isaiah 40, 28. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, I know there's some young folks here going, not me, but trust me, guys. Even the young men will grow weary. Even the youths shall grow weary. But God neither faints nor is weary. That's where we find our strength from, to overcome weariness, to prevent weariness. That's where who we seek, that's what we find. If you find that weariness is a burden and something that you frequently struggle with, I would encourage you to put this verse and maybe the next few that we look at down as just something you can go to to lift your spirits back up before you get down so far that you're dealing with other issues in your life. Because we want to avoid the weariness burden of ineffectiveness and, and uh, heartache. It is the everlasting God who neither faints nor is weary. And it is he alone who gives power to the weak. Don't seek your power anywhere else. Turn me to 1 Corinthians 15. Here are some encouragements so that if you feel like what you're doing is in vain, if you feel like you're, you're, you're getting wearying because you're not seeing results um, or you're feeling discouraged, uh, here's some verses that hopefully will encourage you. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Starting to feel weary from doing good, feeling like, what's the point? Know this, it is not in vain in God. Trust in God. That's what he's talking about. He says, steadfast, immovable. You still need to refresh yourself in God. This is not meant to be 
Just be stubborn and keep going and it'll be okay. But in the heart, in the heart, be convicted that you're not doing it in vain. God will see. God will reward. God knows what we're doing. Similar, Hebrews chapter 6, please. Another encouragement. Feeling discouraged? It is God that we serve, not man. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. He will not forget what you have done in his name. If you need to meditate on that for encouragement to prevent weariness, then please do so. God will not forget. Do not focus on the immediate. Focus on the eternal. And turn over to Hebrews chapter 13. In this encouragement near the end of the letter in Hebrews, the writer um, will start in 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Do not forget to do good. Do not miss the opportunities that God gives to us. For God is well pleased. Why are we doing it all? Where does this whole idea of do good come from? It's to please God. To glorify God. The whole reason why we do good, isn't it? We don't do it for ourselves. We don't do it for rewards and pats on the backs and medals and and trophies. It doesn't matter now. Everybody gets a trophy, right? But but even, even still, that's not why we do it. The whole idea of do good... The good works that we were made for in Christ Jesus. Don't forget, when we were saved, we were made for a purpose, for good works. That is why we do these things. The work of the cross is our salvation. And so the purpose of the cross is to glorify God. Remember Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, be glorified. Glorify the Son so that you can be glorified. His purpose was to go to the cross. The purpose of the cross was to glorify God. Now, if the work of the cross is our salvation, our purpose is to glorify God. We do that by doing good. I'll wrap this up with a quote from John Wesley. Do all the good you can, in all the ways you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you again for the encouragement and the reminder of your word that we are here to do good. We are here to do good so that you are glorified. We are here to make an impact in this world. Not just sit back in comfort and protection and security, but to change lives. To let people know that there is a God who loves them God who gave his son for them and has redeemed us and we know him personally. So God, do not let us grow weary. Lord, help each person
to recognize what we need to do to prevent weariness. May we be daily refreshed with you. May we wholly and completely trust in you that everything will be reaped in your time when it is done good for your glory. Let us not miss the opportunities to do good. Let us remember that Christ abandoned the glory of heaven for us. So when we have opportunity to do good, may we do so to the glory of his name, to the glory of the cross. Lord God, we thank you so much for the eternal redemption we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the opportunity and the privilege it is to do good in your name. May we not grow weary. May we be renewed. May we be refreshed. May we be strengthened each day. And we thank you for the opportunity it is to glorify you each and every day. Be glorified now. We thank you in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.